All right, you guys ready for tonight? So we are in our Advent uh, season. So we have four weeks of Advent, and it is awesome. As you can see, we have these awesome blue chairs up here. We have a special treat for you tonight. And so we're kicking off Advent with our first week. Steve said it earlier. We're going to be talking about the way, the truth, and the life. And so tonight, as we kick off Advent, we're going to start with the way. And I have a special guest, which is our lead equipping pastor, Steve Smother. So Steve, if you want to go ahead and come on up, would you guys stand and welcome Steve as he comes? It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And we just thought that we might get a little comfortable with you guys and just take a seat. Is that okay with you guys? All right. So Steve and I are going to do a little bit of um, an interview style tonight, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, let me open up my, my notes here. How you doing, Steve? Yeah, well, I think I'm still a little bit OD'd on turkey. There we go. Pie and all that good stuff, but... Doing good, doing awesome. good. Awesome. Well, like I said, this is our first week of Advent, and so we're going to be talking about the way today, um, and it's going to be really special because what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this new book, Living Love, that Steve has just released, and uh, we're going to talk, yeah, come on, can we give it up for that? That's awesome. So we're going to talk about the way, and uh, I love the season of Advent because what we are celebrating is the coming of Jesus, the anticipation of the coming of Jesus. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the incarnation, uh, which that is a big word, simply means that God became flesh, that God took on skin and bones and he tabernacled, he dwelled among us. And so we're going to talk about the way. And before uh, we jump into that, I want to just kind of let you know a little bit um, about this book. Steve's going to talk a little bit about it, but this is Steve's new book called Living Loved, and if we could throw that first slide up there, what we're going to do tonight is you're going to have an opportunity to buy the book after service if you're interested in buying the book, and so uh, the easiest way to do that is uh, there's going to be a QR code. How many of you guys have, have become familiar with the whole QR code thing, like at restaurant tables, no more menus? I think that may be here to stay, you know, and so uh, we're going to put the big QR code up. What I want you guys to do if you want, you can go ahead and take your phone out, zoom in on the QR code take a picture of it on your camera. If you would like to during the service or after the service, you are welcome to buy the book. We're going to be out in the lobby selling books. Steve has a few specials going on with the book. And so go ahead and take a picture of that. Um, and then if you want to during service to make that purchase. Um, and after service, we'll be out there in the lobby and you could come and buy uh, the book then. So go ahead and do that right now. But we're going to jump right in um, to talking about the book. And before we do that, I just want to take a quick second just to tell you a little bit about my friend Steve. Steve is amazing. If you haven't had the opportunity to meet Steve, like I said, he is our lead equipping pastor. And uh, I just want to start out by honoring Steve for a second because Steve has made such an impact on my life. Um, and not only is he a friend of mine, but he's a father to me. And, um, and, and, and what I'm learning more and more and more is that uh, what the church is, is desperate for, and I think in this hour we're seeing it more and more, is we are desperate for mothers and fathers. Amen? That we need people who will father. We need people who will say, hey, I believe in the next generation, and I'm going to choose to allow my ceiling to become your floor. And I, uh, for the past five or six years, have had the opportunity to get to know Steve, and we've had lots of times just like this on Steve's back porch around a fire, talking about the things of God, talking about the heart of God. And as we've been going through relaunch, how many of you guys enjoyed relaunch? We're wrapped up with relaunch. That was awesome, right? 
One of the big themes in relaunch was we talked about an apostolic people and how us as a church are called to be an apostolic people. And I say this often that I think one of the biggest uh, marks of an apostle, which Steve is an apostle to many, is that real apostolic people give permission. That with the apostolic, there comes this permission, there comes this grace. And what I've received from Steve is almost this permission, this grace, and it's a permission to repent. It's a permission to think differently. And I've had conversations where Steve and I would talk about things and he'd say, Dustin, I wanna, I wanna give you permission to dream big. I wanna give you permission to actually believe that the kingdom of God could advance to the ends of the earth. And I just wanna challenge everyone out there today. I think there's a grace that's gonna be released for us to say, you know what? Maybe what God has for my life is a lot bigger than I realized. Amen? Amen. So, Steve, just to jump in, um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the book. And so, as we get started, why don't you just share a little bit about your journey? Um, you've written two books now, and just kind of the journey, maybe some prophetic words that started that all off, and the journey of how you got there. Yeah, sure. You know, I want to say, first of all, these books that I'm going to talk about, they are thoroughly sozo. Uh, the contents, you guys have allowed me to kind of experiment. You don't realize that, but Joel and I are just, we're just practicing on you. You're kind of our guinea pigs. And so we give you permission as well. And so um, two year, about two years ago, uh, October of 2018, uh, Joel and Lauren had a leadership uh, meeting at their house, and they invited a couple of local uh, prophets in the region to come and, and uh, prophesy over the leadership team. And it went just a powerful, powerful time. And so, I mean, they were going around just reading people's mail, and, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm coming up pretty soon. I wonder what they got for me. And, you know, the first thing I remember uh, one of the guys said was, you know, you're a real father in the house. And kind of like what you just said. And I thought, well, okay, that's, that's good. And I'm thinking you could have got that by looking at my gray, gray beard, you know. But, uh, and then he said something that really captured me. He said, um, the Lord says you have books inside of you. And he said, plural, books inside of you. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. And then said something to the effect, he said that, listen, the Lord really wants to release books from this house. And I, I, I want to pronounce that word over Sosa. I believe there are books in this house. I believe there are messages that need to get out of this house. And he said, you're going to kind of open up the womb for that to happen. So, uh, I, and, and I remember just uh, almost immediately, it was this time of year, uh, around Thanksgiving, and the Lord just gave me an incredible grace to write. Uh, how many, you, you get a pro prophecy, and some of those are prophetic words for the future, some immediately resonate. And that was one of those that, man, I just went, wow, this is such a timely word. And so uh, within a calendar year, had written the first book uh, entitled Seeing Through a Better Lens. And uh, that, that book was really just... Um, uh, kind of a challenge to us to view God differently, you know? And so I, I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up with God as this singular, distant, faraway deity that we, I prayed to, you know? He's out there somewhere, and he's not super interested in me and except the things that I don't do right. And, uh, and so began to really challenge that whole idea and, and see more of a Trinitarian view of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living in this uh, communion, this, this divine dance, this entirely different revelation of the goodness of God, his love and his son, his father, all that. And so um, that was the first book. And so 
the Lord just continued uh, speaking to me. And so in the next year, in, in 2020 now, uh, have released a kind of a companion to that, which is really kind of challenging uh, how we view ourselves and really our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ and, and what that looks like. So that, that's kind of uh, an abbreviation of how the journey has begun with writing these books. So good. Yeah, the first book, uh, Seeing Through a Better Lens, incredible. I'm actually reading it with a group of guys right now. And so um, if you haven't read the first book, we'll have it for sale out after service. You could pick that up as well. Um, but this one, if you haven't seen the cover, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I personally like it. It's got some neon look to it. But Steve, this book is called Living Love. Maybe talk to us just a minute about why um, this book is so special to you. Yeah, I love, I love that title, Living Love. That's a word that the Lord gave us early on that that really, as we live on the right side of the cross, that uh, we're going to be a people that will live loved and live full and live free. And so it's really a description of what Better Covenant discipleship looks like. And so I, I think the reason why this book is uh, so special to me is, number one, that's been a life message of mine, is how, how to be a disciple of Jesus, how to make disciples of Jesus. And, and now, since the Lord really over the last uh, probably eight years or, or, or so, the Lord has really just captured my heart with what does that look like to, to do that from the right side of the cross? The finished work of Jesus, what, what does that look like? And I, I think probably the, the topic, and but more so the collaboration in the project. And uh, like you commented on the cover, my son did all of that, my oldest son. And uh, he he came up with, you know, he's, he is not... A, an artist or has never done anything with books really, but he has really become a real partner. Uh, you know, you and I, we talked a lot of the concepts in here. These were things that we talked about and what would be a good book that would really be a usable discipleship manual uh, that groups of two and three small groups could meet together to really talk about how do we live this thing out? Not a, a telling you what to do so much, but more of a encouraging you to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to you and then being activated in that. And so I think, uh, Joel, there's a, there's a chapter 14 was a message Joel preached on um, uh, pure, uh, living a pure life in Christ. And uh, it's it's worth getting the book just for that chapter. And and I mean, so Joel and I talked about a lot of this. A lot of the messages that we talked about were things here. Uh, Alan Criddle, uh, he he gave me a, uh, a declaration sheet. It was you know kind of crumpled up and all that. And I, but but it, I thought, man, this is awesome. And so some of that is in here. Um, Justin Johnson, he he started doing a group with his. Um, some of the workers, they did a discipleship group with the early manuscript stuff. And so, so there's just a number of people that um, kind of contributed to that. And then I think one, one of the reasons why I love this book so much is, is the authority in this book. Is it okay to, to say this book has authority? I'll tell you why it's okay to say, because it's thoroughly biblical. And I was looking for something that was based on the Word of God, where, where people could just really wrestle and chew on the Word of God and see the Scriptures in a whole new way, perhaps. And so uh, this book is based on uh, the epistle of, of Ephesians, which is just an incredible, incredible letter, and it kind of opens it up. So, yeah. So good. Um, I love Steve and I 
in our back porch time, we, one of the things, I, Steve and I, Lisa laughs because we'll, I'll come over to pick something up for his house for 10 minutes and then two hours later and we're still on the back porch talking. But we sit and we would dream together and talk. And so for me, doing college ministry on the campus, I'm always asking about discipleship. I'm passionate about discipleship. I have vision. I want to see the entire campus discipled. And what does it look like? And if you haven't figured out, us at Sozo, we, we carry this message of the kingdom of God. And, and for me, it, that wasn't a message that I heard my entire life. You know, the, the message of the kingdom and, and all that God had for us. And I had done so many different discipleship methods and programs and things like that. But I would have conversations with Steve and just say like, Steve, what does discipleship look like in the kingdom? You know what I mean? I don't want to just tell people what to do. I want them to hear God and then go out and do it for themselves. And so um, a lot of this book, what the book really is, is, is it's about discipleship. And so it's really formatted in a way that you could take this book and you could just gather around with some different people and just make disciples that you could dive into what God has. And, and uh, so the book is broken up into these four parts. And the first part uh, talks about better covenant living. It talks about this, uh, a lot of what the first book talked about, about living on the right side of the cross, seeing God as, and through the goodness of God and all these things. But then the, the last three parts is kind of the discipleship part of it. And so there's three parts and it's living loved, living free, and then living full. And uh, in that living uh, loved part, Steve, you take some time and you just talk about the gospel. And um, I, I love it because it's so simple. But if we're honest, I know for me, I'm going through this gospel revolution in this season of life where I'm realizing that the gospel I used to believe is not the gospel I believe anymore, that the gospel is much better news than I could have ever imagined, that God is so much bigger yeah. than I realized he was. And so you talk about the gospel, yeah. and uh, won't you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's the bottom line, isn't it? It's, it's all about the gospel. But how many of you, like, like Dustin is saying, I know myself, the, the gospel has just gotten larger for you. This gospel of the kingdom of God is just so much bigger, so much more robust, and it's really something that you want to share with somebody. It's really, really, really good news. I think a starting place for me was to realize that the gospel is about King Jesus. It's not about me. My starting point with the gospel was always about getting Jesus into my heart, which is an okay thing, but can I tell you, the gospel is primarily about, uh, about him saying, I'm inviting you into my life. Hello? And when we start there, all of a sudden, the lid's off of this thing. God, it's, it's all Jesus-centric. It's all Father-centric. It's all Holy Spirit-centric. And so the gospel really becomes good news because it's about a finished work in Jesus. It's about something that's already accomplished. And it's about, you know, faith really takes kind of a whole dimension. Faith becomes my response to seeing what is. Can, can I say that again? Somebody should have gone like that. It's my response to seeing what is. You know, you know I used to, I, had, I can remember drawing these, these pictures of this, this chasm, you know, and, and God was on one side and man was on one side and Jesus had the big cross in between and that was good news and, and I'd got to go to heaven when I died and, and the gospel was all about what I do on this side in my faith to get to the other side, right? And so I had to say a prayer. I had to say it right. I had to mean it when I said it. You know, I had to repent and I had to trust. I had to have faith. I had to, you know, and it, I mean, it's like the list just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And, you know, I wasn't really always sure whether I'd made it, made it over to the other side or not. And when I realized that, you know what? G Jesus made the way. Jesus is the way, 
And faith is my response. It's seeing what really is, okay? It's seeing it's all about Jesus. It's a finished work. It's a done deal. And it's my embracing, my accepting, my receiving what's already been done for me. So in uh, Ephesians chapter two, but Paul is kind of teed it up in the first chapter. He's talking about our identity. He's talking about who we are in Christ, what the blessings of the Father are, the blessings of the Son, the blessings of the Holy Spirit. Just that one chapter is worth the book of all of God's unfolding plan that includes us, okay? Man, I'm in. I'm, I'm included, not because of anything I've done, but because I said yes to what Jesus did, what's been done. And so the next chapter, though, uh, the gospel is... Essentially, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, okay? And, and it says this, some of you probably memorize this. For by grace, you and I are saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest we should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, Okay, so that just, I mean, he says a whole mouthful right there. But basically what that looks like is this, God doing all the work. God in his love reaches down in grace, his hand to us, and faith is our hand reaching back up to receive his gift, who is Jesus. Now this sounds like a Christmas message, doesn't it? This sounds like an incarnation message. This sounds like an Advent message. That's the message. He says, it, not anything we did or we'd get cocky and boast about it, but God's deep love for us came into humanity, reached his hand down in grace and said, you're worth it all. And all we have to do is reach up and receive the gift. Now, here's the cool thing about it. Paul, Paul says it's all about the gospel because you'll spend a lifetime unwrapping the gift. Hello? Isn't that what discipleship really is? Isn't that it's learning who you are in him? It's, you know, I have people come to every once in a while. They say, man, I, you know, I, I gave my life to Jesus, you know, but I, I just... I. Can you help me go into the deeper stuff? I want some of the deep stuff. I want the, I want the meat, the deep, deep stuff. Give me the deep stuff. And I just, I do that. I laugh. I go, what? Hey, you don't get any deeper than Jesus. You don't get any deeper than the good news that he's, he's accomplished it all for us. And we, by faith, receive. We see it. We respond to what is. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, evangelism gets fun because all of a sudden, we get to, to talk to people about a reality that has already happened for them. And guess what? We get to be the conduit of praying for them, loving them, showing them what Jesus looks like, that their eyes might be opened, that they might repent, change their way of thinking, and receive that gift themselves. That's, that's what this whole incarnational season is about. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I could go really crazy on this one here, but I think, I think Paul picks up where John leaves. You remember in John 14, 20, where John says it this way, he says, or Jesus says it this way. He records Jesus saying it this way. He says, on that day, you, you're gonna realize that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I'm in you. 
Let me ask you, what if, what if that's the gospel? What if the gospel is that on that day when Jesus rose from the dead, on that day when Jesus shared of the kingdom, on that day when Jesus ascended into heaven, on that day when Jesus was enthroned on high, on that day when he poured out his spirit on all mankind, on that day, the reality that he was in his father and that we are in him and he's in us became a reality. What if that's the good news? Well, Paul begins to build on that, and that's what this whole book is about, what it looks like to live in union and unity. Come on, it's good. Why don't you just share the gospel with us, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> so good, and that helps so much in discipleship and, and, and even in just our living because it's so, I, I say this all the time, humans are suckers for religion. Yeah. Like, we want rules. Just give me some rules to follow, and it really is simple, is that Jesus was in, you know, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself already at the cross, that we, the world has been reconciled to God. The world has been forgiven. Forgiveness was poured out once and for all. It doesn't have to be begged for, asked for. It was poured out, and all we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is believe what he's already done. And so, but, you know, I, th- I think the reason why we have to continually share the gospel is that we've got to, ourselves, we've got to be reminded how just how good it is, don't we? Because there's such a tendency that Paul talks about to go to these elemental principles of the world that really you, you earn what you work for. You get, you get your worth. And so I think it's such, we lived in such a twisted mindset that we've constantly got to be reminded of the goodness of God. We've got constantly got to be reminded of the purity of the gospel and that it really is living a life out of our identity, in our union, through the authority, in the purity that's provided by the pure one that lives in us. So, yeah. Amen. That's good. So living loved, and there's two more parts to the book. There's the living free and then the living full. I wanted to read this, just this excerpt, and I asked you to talk about it. So it's in the, the living free part. This is a quote from the very beginning. It says this. It says, living free describes Christ's life in me. And he quotes Colossians 1, where it talks about Christ in me, the hope of glory. So living free describes Christ's life in me. As a new covenant disciple, I emanate his life everywhere I go. My purity flows from my identity and union in Christ, while grace serves as the source of my identity in union in Christ. And I love this part about freedom, um, especially doing, you know, college ministry. We have conversations all the time about freedom and you have people, how do I get free? What does it look like to get free? And oftentimes our first response is, is do these things to get free. And so it's like, if I do this, if I do this, then I'll be free. But Steve makes this kind of point in living free is that freedom looks like Christ in you. Freedom doesn't look like doing something to get free, but it's about letting Christ live his life through you. And so I'd I'd love to hear just for a second about how this freedom from Christ in me looks different than like, you know, religious striving or things like that to get free. Yeah, I I think the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is, is, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll go backwards because I think most of us tend to think like religious strivers, don't we? And religious striving kind of starts from the place of, I am not enough. You know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, um, you know, spiritual enough. I'm not saved enough. I'm not whatever enough, you know? And so that, and so the, the issue is, what do I need to do 
to get back to God. It, it, it starts from a place of separation. I'm separated from God because I, I, I am not enough. And, and that mindset is, I, I'll say it's, it's more than a religious striving. It's a demonic mindset. It's, it has nothing to do with the real nature and character of God. Now, what does it look like to have a Christ in me uh, mindset? Well, I think it, it, it starts with where Jesus did. I am, you know? G- Jesus, when he said to me, I'm the light of the world, I'm the bread of life, I'm the word, I'm the living word, I'm all these things. Uh, I think, you know, when we remember who I am, I, I mean, you said it well earlier, I, I am an adopted son or daughter of God, you know, I, I really am one of his, I'm, a, I'm his favorite one, you know? I think I'm his favorite. Uh, okay, we, we, could all, we could all claim to that. You know, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a born-again believer, you know? I am a new creation. I am the righteousness of God. Well, I mean, you let some of those filter down, you, you sink in there, then you get a true picture of how God really sees you. But I think, I think what happens is... Um, Christ in me is all about union. It's all about my relationship to him. It's about that abiding relationship with him. Whereas the, the whole religious striving is about I'm separated. I've got to get back to God. How many know that's what religion is? It's, it's this quest to get back to God. And so whoever has the best plan how to get back to God is what we follow. Can I tell you, that's hogwash. Okay. Yeah, it's scubula. You go look, look that up in the Greek, it's scubula. Um, you know, I, I think Jesus said it so well there in John 15, 5. He said, I, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, trying all that religious gobbledygook, you can do nothing, right? It's back to union again. I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain, abide, be in me, and I in you, then you'll see all the fruit you could ever imagine. Because really, kind of the live free and live full is, is about the life and the love of Christ that flows out of us because we are in the vine, right? And so, yeah. It's good. And, that, and that's all the secrets I have to discipleship, Jesus. <laughs> Just stay connected, Jesus, you'll be okay. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. I love, in, in Ephesians, because, so you chose Ephesians, and the whole book is based yeah. around Ephesians. And I, I love Paul, he, he talks about the mystery. And, uh, you know, we read through Colossians, we read through Ephesians, and he's always talking about the mystery of God's will, the mystery of God's will. And we, we love mysteries, right? We're always, like, looking for mysteries. And oftentimes, we think of mysteries as something that isn't to be discovered, but Paul reveals mysteries in a way that they are to be discovered. But in that, we're always looking for what are all the mysteries, but Paul has one mystery. Paul has one mystery over and over and over, and it's Christ in you is the mystery. And even further than that, he says, it's Christ in you, Gentile. It's Christ in the people who were cut off. It's that Christ would come and set up camp on the inside of you. And so ultimately, that's what discipleship looks like. It's very incarnational, and it's lived out through Christ living his life through us. And so you, you chose Ephesians, Steve, and, and so part uh, two through four is pretty much this discipleship guide all the way through Ephesians. Talk just for a quick second about why you chose Ephesians. Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you can go back and listen to some messages that we talked about, uh, kind of the, how Paul 
um, was in Ephesus for three years. Two of those years, he taught uh, at the uh, Hall of Tyrannus to a group of, of men that would literally be world changers. And uh, he ends up in prison. He writes this letter here that really is, I believe, a blueprint for better covenant discipleship. But the things that he touches on, it's a circular letter that he's not addressing one particular church's problems or needs, but he's saying, this is what it looks like to live in Christ. And so he touches on things that we might not include in discipleship. He starts out from the very beginning, chapter one, he starts talking about identity. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know who you are, you'll, you'll never get to the end game. And then he goes in the next chapter and he talks about our union in Christ. He talks about what the gospel really is. And he says, listen, this thing is not just about you. It's about everyone. The gospel is for everyone. And so I think about a time in which we are living. I can't think of a more relevant book to be immersed in this unity amidst our diversity and to realize that Jesus really is the answer for all mankind that Jesus really, really, really is the answer. And so, you know, without unpacking the cold contents, the next chapter talks about the mystery, that, that what this mystery is, that it's inclusive of all people. And then the next chapter, he, he talks about uh, how we grow up in this, what that looks like, this unity and diversity, what it looks like to live in purity. You know, uh, not impurity, but in purity. You know, most of us can do impurity, okay, you know. But, but, in, but living a pure life is allowing the pure one who lives in you to live through you and out of you. So what does that look like? And then he, in the last chapters five, I mean, he's just talking about what does a spirit-filled life look like? What does a spirit-filled family look like? What is, and then chapter six, what does it look like to exercise your God-given authority? What does that look like to be able to be authoritative in the world? And so I think it answers a lot of questions most of us have on how do we live this life and how do we help others live this life and, and be a genuine uh, follower of Jesus in a crazy world. So good. So just a, a few thoughts more before we wrap up. So in, in the book, the way that it's kind of uh, marked out is each of this, those chapters in the end, is it has this... Uh, kind of up, in, and out flow. It's a, it's, it's a discipleship manual. And, and, and Joel, I mean, Steve and I have talked a lot just about what does it look like in these natural rhythms of life. And so he breaks it down through, you know, the up, the in, the out. And up is essentially these, these grace reflections, these things, looking at God. What does God say? Going to scripture. What does God say um, about this? And then the in is, is to, to say, like, what does this say about me? What do I need to process? What is going on inside? We're, we're really good at the up and the out. Often the in is, is usually the hard one, right? It's like, how, what, what do I need to do, right? And so it's the, the internal, the thinking, the meditating, the chewing on. And then the out is the, the what are we going to do? Who do we need to share it with? And, and I love this. It's helped me. Steve and I have talked through the up and out a lot. And, and it's really uh, applicable to our personal lives um, because we're constantly in this rhythm of what is God saying? How does that apply to me? And then what do we 
go and do about it. And then, um, and it's also good in a discipleship context. So if you took this book and you, you know, maybe you have a few people at work and you're like, I just want to walk with these guys. I want to make disciples. It's really, really good just to get around a group of guys and just to say, what is God saying? And then what do we do about it? I tell my college students all the time. It's, it's really good to, to hear what God is saying. And then God is always asking, all right, now what are you going to do to respond to my voice? And so the up and out is kind of the, the, the flow of it. And just in closing here, this has been really good, Steve. Thank you. Um, but the reason we did this on the first week of, of, of Advent and talking about the way is because I, I believe, and one of the things I've learned from Steve, is one of the main differences in making disciples through this better covenant lens, through this right side of the cross, is that discipleship is incarnational. And let me explain what that means is Jesus, Jesus came to earth in flesh. He came to earth as God in human form. And then he calls us to an incarnational life, meaning that it's not simply that we're just following Jesus from afar, that we're not just following what Jesus did. We're not just reading the rules and trying our best, but we're allowing the life of Christ to work itself through our lives until we become like Jesus. We're one with him. And I we talked about this last week with or two weeks ago with our college students. I I've learned, Steve, through, through your teaching, living on the right side of the cross and how discipleship looks so much different. This has blown my mind because what the way Steve says is we're no longer following the bearded, sandaled rabbi around, right? So you hear the language in, in, in the New Testament about following Jesus. And these people were following Jesus. They were following him around uh, Jerusalem. They were following him around. They were imitating him. They were doing what he was doing. But then Jesus makes a bold declaration. And he says, I tell you the truth, it is better that I leave you. Because when I leave you, I'm going to send my spirit. And so no longer is it going to be about following Jesus around, but it's about him living his life through us. This is a dramatic difference, yeah? And so we allow the life of Christ in us to be lived through us, and we help people do the same. And that's what discipleship incarnational discipleship looks like on the right side of the cross. And so just to wrap up, I was talking about this earlier with Steve. We were joking about Steve and I have this ongoing joke with one another uh, that if we ever speak and when we do speak, we always have to use 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How many of you guys love 2 Corinthians chapter 5? It's my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. And we made a joke once of like, you know what, I, I bet I could guess what you're going to preach on today. And now it's almost become like this, this thing of like, if I preach, I have to do it. Just, you know, it's Steve and I's thing. And so 2 Corinthians 5, Steve, talk to us about how this kind of paints the big picture of what we're talking about today. Yeah, I, I'm just going to read 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to start with 16 because it, he addresses uh, what, that, that bearded sandaled one, you know, kind of an idea and um, let me see if I can get my little little assistance here from my spectacles. <laughs> this, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I, I believe this, this passage here, 16 through 20, we'll just do through 20, really, really captures what better covenant discipleship looks like. And I think Paul is just building uh, where John starts, and I think um, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, really helps in that transition. But he says this, he says, So from now on, verse 16, we regard no one from a worldly point of view or according to the flesh, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's, the, there's your incarnation, the new creation has come. 
The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. For we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I just love the picture that we are disciples of Jesus because he's reconciled us. That God was in Christ reconciling the entire cosmos. Everyone, unlimited atonement. He's reconciling the entire cosmos to himself, not counting our sins against us. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you know what? I'm doing this, but tag, you're it. With this new life that you have, let it emanate. Let it flow out to other people that they might inquire, man, what, what is going on in you? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got some really, really good news for you. And so we want to just give some time here uh, for anyone who has need. Maybe you'd, you need to say yes to Jesus and the gospel. Just receive his goodness and enter in to what he's called you to. And um, so we're going to have some time of prayer and, and ministry there. Uh, maybe you have need of, of prayer, physical need, whatever your need is. But I'll turn it back over to you, Dustin. Yeah, come on. So good, Steve. Hey, if our ministry team wants to make their way up, like I said, we'd love to pray for you if you have any needs. But would you guys stand? And uh, I just want to take a quick second, and I want to pray for Steve. I want to pray for for this book. Um, And just that God would use this message more than just the book, but just the revelation in Steve's heart and what he's writing, that it would touch the world, that it would give people a lens to see God for who he is. And then I'm believing for, um, personally in my life, I'm believing to see a movement of better covenant disciples that would shape the earth, a movement of disciples making disciples that really believe that God is as good as he says he is, amen? So I'm gonna pray real quick. Would you just engage and pray with me for just a second? Lord, thank you so much, God, for all that you've done, Lord, even in Steve's heart, Lord, and I thank you for this book and the books that are to come, Lord, and we just ask, Lord, that you would bless these books, Lord, that you would open doors, Lord, that you would put it in the right hands, Lord, and we ask, Lord, for a revolution of the goodness of God to touch the world, even in this season, God, that you would raise up people who really believe in the good news of Jesus and that a movement of disciples, Lord, would touch the earth and change the world forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Come get prayer if you need prayer.